Hello and welcome to the Doing Good with the DeVoe Group podcast, where we are dedicated to making the world a better place one nonprofit at a time. I'm your host, Stephen Guzman, and joining me on the podcast today is founder and board president of Humankind Alliance, Janice Niederhofer. Janice is the founder and board president for Humankind Alliance. Janice's personal experiences as a former police officer and 21 years as a special agent with the DEA informed the two branches of Humankind Alliance's work, the law enforcement community initiatives and the women's programs. Janice, how are you today? I'm outstanding. I'm so happy to be here. It's good to meet you, Stephen. Right on. It's a pleasure to have you on. You are full of energy, and I absolutely love that. I'm really excited for our conversation today. <laughs> well, I can't help myself, so I'm ready to rock and roll. It's very right exciting. On. Well, tell us, tell us about where you grew up. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I worked years undercover, so t- talking about myself doesn't come easy, but I will share... <laughs> I grew up right outside Detroit in a little town called Utica, Utica, Michigan. I grew up with four boys and myself and parents. What did you want to be when you grew up when you were a kid in Detroit? Well, I never had a chance to think about it. Really? (laughs) Because like so many other people, I had a very colorful childhood, very chaotic. I didn't have the mental bandwidth to think about what I wanted to be. I know what my parents kept throwing at me, which was a nurse or an attorney. And how did that make so, you feel? It didn't even make sense to me because I was trying to survive every day. Wow. When you say you're trying to survive every day, can you unpack that a little bit more? I'll just give you a couple of cookies, not too many. Okay. <laughs> I was always called stupid, like a lot of kids. Mm. Uh, I never trusted myself to read a book. I could read and write, of course. Mm-hmm. And later on in life, I find out I'm quite smart. But back then, when you're called stupid by your role models and you don't have a book read to you, or you don't mm-hmm. read books because you think you can't, you don't think you're not smart. So there was my parents, like all parents, doing the best they can. And my dear dad was an orphan. Hmm. He became a truck driver. So he was doing the best he could. And my mom was super smart and she worked for a phone company. And then they met, married, had five kids. And, hmm. you know, it was kids raising kids. And there was a lot of unhealthy activity. How about that? Hmm. Yeah, Yeah. a lot of people have the same kind of background. And I just want to take this moment to say it's possible. Yeah. And when when you say that it's possible, you're saying it's possible to be the flower that bloomed from the concrete, right? It's possible to make it to the level that you're at having that sort of a background. Yes. And then some, because you're always growing. You never stop growing. If you think you know it all, you're done. So Mm. I'm a student of life. I've been through hell and back. There's not much I haven't seen, heard, or experienced myself. I work with hundreds and thousands of people. Mm -hmm. And there is hope. There's possibility. You just have to take that step forward and look for people that can help you. And then come in the form of books, videos. We're not talking trashy books and videos. We're talking... People who are successful study their mindset, how they did it, the unstoppable, disciplined, resilient mindset. How do they do it? Yeah, yeah. And you don't have to know somebody to learn from them. But it's also wonderful. The difference between a mentor and a role model, role model can be someone alive, dead, or even imaginary, right? Right, right. And mentor is someone that's alive, that will talk to you, guide you by phone, in person, whatever. Someone who pulls you up, pulls you up. 
you've got to go looking. You got to get curious. I don't care what circumstance you're in, the darkest of the dark to the stuck of the stuck. Yeah. You yeah. can get out of that. I promise you, because you're listening to my voice. I did it. And I know a lot of people who have, but yeah. it's a choice. We care about you. We're out here for you. Watch us. Right. I got goosebumps and I'm starting yeah. a whole nother journey. Right. Right. You know, yeah. Yeah. That bit right there, we could stop the podcast right here. I think people would be inspired and lives would be changed. Well, thank 100%. you for that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing from the heart. So Janice, tell us about your time as a police officer and how that led you to start a nonprofit. Accidentally is how I got into my career. Totally accidentally. Accidentally. Mm -hmm. So when I was sharing with you, I didn't think I was smart. Well, I mm -hmm. went to college. Now this is going to blow some people's minds. But when you grow up in an environment that I did, mm -hmm. you can only see in the frame that you're in because you don't have right. opportunities to go outside that frame. And we didn't have the internet then. You just had books, people, and movies and music. You didn't have any other influence. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm going to make this short because every one of my stories are, oh, they're exciting, I guess. What I ended up doing was I went, what is this thing called college? Because my high school boyfriend, I categorized he was from a normal family. Mm -hmm. So I'd look at the family like a role model. If I knew what that meant, modeling, I, I was modeling their family. He was the oldest child out of four. They sent him to this thing called college. And right. lo and behold, Stephen, I didn't know what college was. I thought really? it was one college. And in my case, it was Michigan State University. I thought that that's all there was. That's all I, did, I didn't one know. College for yes, everybody. because gotcha. he went there. That's how pinpoint my thinking was. I didn't mm -hmm. have mm -hmm. any other influences whatsoever. Right, so right. I, I borrowed $60 from my high school boyfriend. He was a year in front of me. He was a freshman. Mm -hmm. I went away to orientation, figured it out. Now, I'm going to fast forward. I came home, told my parents I was going to college. They disowned me. Wow. Because it was just foreign to them. It was fear, right? They didn't know what mm -hmm. that was. But I went anyways. So I got, I worked three jobs, a full load in college, and school loans. And I made it. So wow. I got two degrees, right? And oh, graduated. Criminal justice and psychology. Go figure. Okay, excellent. <laughs> so my intention was to be an attorney. Why? Was because when you're called stupid and money was something bad, painful, it's all they argued about at home. Mm -hmm. Well, that was majority of what they argued about. I mm -hmm. decided an attorney meant you were smart and you could make money. That I was my thinking. That's how easily I sorted. Wow. So I took classes that I thought would lead me into law school. And lo and behold, I ended up in junior in college in a criminal justice class. The professor yeah. said this, quote, if you think you're so smart and you want to be a police officer, go to Ocean City, Maryland for the summer. They hire 60 extra officers, unquote. Wow. And sure enough, five of us piled into a car. We were 20 years old drove from Michigan State down to Ocean City, Maryland, interviewed and got hired. Oh my God, just like that. That summer when I turned 21, I became a police officer. Wow. Now think about that. And I was in, the, I was in Ocean City, Maryland, the ocean and the sun and the excitement. And the yeah. city would swell to 60,000 or 
what was it back then? I think it was 130,000 people, right? So mm -hmm. crime, because everybody's vacation, there's all kinds of stuff going on. Yeah. So that was the first summer that I worked accidentally as a police officer, still wanting to be an attorney. But here's wow. what happens. Here's my first turning point. We worked four days on, three days off. It's a mm -hmm. great schedule, by the way. But on your days <laughs> off, you could work overtime. So mm. you could go walk the boardwalk, you know, and do community relations and stuff. Or you yeah. could work undercover. And I thought, undercover? What's that? So I'm really, really shy. I mean, to this day, I'm a shy, but you don't know that, right? I've taught mm. myself, if I'm going to serve people, I can't be shy. But back then, I'm super shy. And so I work undercover. My first gig is in a bar buying wow. drugs. Undercover okay? buying drugs. Right. Now, guess what happens? Uh-huh. I'm 21 years old. I get to be something I'm not. Get to get out of my mindset of my childhood. You know, all, all those informative mm -hmm. years of all that yeah. pain. And I get to serve at a level that I didn't think was possible. Because right. at this point, I have so much empathy, so much sympathy, respect, and honor mm -hmm. for people. Because I'm an underdog. But remember, I'm not thinking like this. I mm -hmm. look back, I'm an underdog and I want to serve the underdog. I want to help people, yeah. but I didn't know it. I just, that was just innate in me because I didn't want people to go through what I did. Mm. I wanted to close the gap between pain and pleasure for people and wow. way down the road. If this was that kind of podcast, it I would tell you how I did that. So that was a turning point. Okay. So fast forward without giving you all the nitty gritty details, which are exciting too. I end up thinking I'm going to take a temporary job as a police mm -hmm. officer for a year, pay off all my school loans, and then apply to law school and go. So I apply all over Colorado, all over Texas from Michigan. Why? Texas, because yeah. I heard they had money. This is how simple I think. <laughs> okay. And remember, I have no one teaching me, mm. right? No and all over Colorado, because I hear it's beautiful. So you can tell I'm looking for solutions for my internal turbulence, right? Mm. Calm and money. But I don't think I'm doing that. Money, just because the way I grew up, you thought money solves everything. Well, we know it doesn't. Yeah. Right. right. We know those stories. You can have a ton of money and be freaky miserable, right? <laughs> okay. And you know, people that are poor and they're happy as, as all get out. So it's a mindset. That's mm -hmm. for another podcast. Okay. So I have to have you back on. I end up uh, going to to uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado. This is my second, but I left something out. The second summer after I graduated college, I went back to Ocean City, Maryland after I got my two degrees and became okay. the first woman on their SWAT team. The SWAT team. Yeah, yeah. So at this time, you're like 23? Mm, two, maybe. 20. I'm still 21. Right in there. I had to be wow. 21 to carry a gun, but you know, right in there. So then gotcha. I, I ended up getting hired by police department in Texas in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I chose Colorado. Mm -hmm. I drove the day before the academy I arrived with all my belongings, pulling a trailer and my white German shepherd. Wow. I, I was I was really a badass, right? I was a survivor. So yeah. I get there, I start the academy the next day. Now let me say this. For eight years, seven, eight years I was there, I got hooked because yeah. I was serving and I was super, super strong. Physically, I had mm -hmm. that good German blood and I was yeah. an international judo champ in college. 
And I was fearless, right? I would stand in front of trouble and pain and challenges for anybody. I'd stand up for the underdog. I was really, just really good and didn't know it. I just served, right? Selfless service. So I end up doing all the jobs that women couldn't. And because ignorance really serves me because if I... If I didn't have someone tell me you couldn't do it, I didn't know any better. So I go, why can't a woman be in narcotic? Why is it all men? I didn't under even, I didn't even understand the separation. I just thought Mm. about the job. Why can't I do the job? So I got in. Sounds like it served you well. (laughs) I got in. And there's a whole story behind that that is just crazy for women. Right? But I got in and I paid the price. But I became... The first female in the history of that police department in narcotics. That's incredible. Yeah. And I broke a lot of other glass ceilings, right? Yeah. hundred percent. So from there, to make it simple, that's how I ended up in law enforcement. And I I still thought I would go to law school, but I didn't. And DEA and the FBI was chasing me down. Got hired by both of them. I told the FBI, thank you, but no thank you. And I went to DEA. Turned down the FBI. Yeah. Because I was in narcotics. I loved that life. Yeah. I loved, I didn't know it, but now I, I was already in studying people, knowing people, reading them, pulling up Mm. the best in them. That's what I was doing. I was a student of human behavior, of the human heart, of the human mind. And so I went with DEA. And I just broke a ton of glass ceilings there as well. Yeah. Yeah. I never made it to law school. That's the moral of the story. You never made it to law school. So I had an accidental career. I see. That that sounds like the title of a book. I never made it to law school. The autobiography. There you go. But here you have to be famous to write a book. So who's got time? (laughs) (laughs) So that's how you became an accidental police officer slash DEA agent. And what about that compelled you to start a nonprofit? Well, the turning point of that was, I don't know, some of you or and your listeners, they might remember the mass shooting in Dallas, Texas in July. I think it was July 7, 2016, where five police officers were shot, nine were wounded, and two civilians were wounded. It was awful. And then they sent a robot in there and got the suspect. And I remember I watched that TV. I was glued to it for three days. And in DEA, I I ended up doing a lot of training for law enforcement because I became so good at teaching respect, honor, communication skills, leadership. I was just really good at bringing the best out of people. Mm. And I would thrive in law enforcement. So I would get in front of 700 just really thick-skinned, expert, knowledgeable interview interrogators and teach them from around the world. Mostly all men, maybe four or five women in a class, right? And I would teach them how to connect with people. You're hearing what's going on out there now, right? How to connect with people. Yeah. How to help them. Like when I interrogated somebody, I had a really high confession rate. Why? Mm. Because... I'm no better than anyone else on this planet. Let me say that again. I am no better or worse than anyone on this planet. And I'm so real and genuine because I don't know how else to be. That when Mm. I was interrogating someone, questioning someone, 
I knew that when they were born, they didn't want to come out as the world's biggest cartel drug dealer or it's a good point. An arsonist or whatever. They had a pathway from being born to sitting in that chair in front of me. And I knew it. And my skills were such that I could just honor them and respect their journey. Wow. And they would tell me the truth. And when they got done, they'd say, God, I've never told anyone the truth before. It feels so good. Or God, I feel like I'm with a priest or a nun or a therapist or, 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 right? But they would get this load off their back. And I knew that some people have to come off the streets because they'll hurt others until they find their way or don't. So that allowed me to move forward to be able to do my job. That's what drove me to be able to make the streets safer. Yeah, that's incredible. I don't think I've ever heard a a testimony of such nature and ferocity and fearlessness from, from a woman. And I mean that to say that you're a phenomenal human being <laughs> and uh, it's so impressive the things you've been able to do and overcome you know this this far in in life and at, at a young age to be able to like you said break those glass ceilings that's incredible and i'm honored to be on this podcast with you it's it, it's a privilege to be able to speak to such phenomenal individuals such as yourself so tell us what the mission of humankind alliance is and how do you champion that every day i'm gonna answer that question but first i'm gonna say thank you for your kind words They sort of still bounce off, right? But thank you. And I just want to serve and enlighten people and realize you don't have to stay in the pain you're in. And Mm. I can show you the way, right? So Humankind Alliance started like this. When I saw that mass shooting in Dell, I actually, I'm really good at putting myself into other people's shoes is the old fashioned saying. I call it being able to understand their worldview. Mm Mm-hmm. And I felt those officers. I felt those civilians. I felt the pain of that city. Wow. And I said, I need to teach communication to law enforcement because if when I can teach them, like I did on the job, how to communicate with anyone, anywhere, anytime, no matter what, I'd save lives. Okay? Mm-hmm. That was one turning point. The other one was... When the two officers in New York City, the first two police officers that got assassinated while sitting in their patrol car. I remember that. For no reason at all. Two weeks before that, I said to a friend, cops are going to start getting assassinated. Those two officers were shot. Broke my heart. And two weeks later, I saw that same friend. I said, you watch. It's only going to get worse. And Stephen, I would never, ever envision being where we're at today. Now, I wish we weren't here, but I'm also grateful because now I can pour what I know into my nonprofit as a way to heal this country, right? It's my contribution because that's how Humankind Alliance got started. And our country is deeply, deeply troubled right now. Yeah, talk about it. And mistrust just permeates everywhere at all levels of our society. Yeah. And the worst of it right now is the huge divide between the men and women behind the badge and everyone else. Yeah. So here, here at Humankind Alliance, I teach we are all community members, every one of us. 
Remember, I'm no better or worse than anyone else. I carried right. a badge for almost just shy of 30 years. We're all in this together. We're yeah. all humans. We're all humankind, right? You're human and you're a man of color, right? Yeah, yeah. Black, like, Mexican, and Puerto Rican. Oh, well, you you got hit hard there. That's great. Makes for an unbelievable personality. But you've been through hell and back, right? Certain circumstances? I've got some stories. <laughs> okay. I figured as much. I have stories as a woman. But get this. I grew up in an environment which is right outside Detroit. My dad was white as white can be. Like me, I'm very fair-skinned. And he was an orphan since he was 12 or 13 in downtown Detroit, which was oh all black. God. So he was super prejudiced. Now, you have to have an open heart to understand why he was. But I grew up in that environment. And guess what? I was the only one out of the five kids that was not prejudiced. Hmm. I, I like to think because I was a woman, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's just I had that could be true or not true. But what's really true is I have values are called moving away or moving towards the values hmm. that my family had. I moved away from and I knew that being prejudiced was well i i ran from that which mm -hmm. then hence made me a outstanding law enforcement person yeah. i never had a problem and i'm going to share something with you well, all this ha i do a lot of thinking right i thought you know i never got hurt on the job except once when i fell off a porch to, in the middle of middle of the night you couldn't see there's a 12 inch drop and I fell oh, onto my God. knees and my kneecaps and it, you know, I, it, my air went out of my lungs and I thought it broke my kneecaps and they carried me off, you know, yeah. other than that, I've never been hurt. Why? Not because I'm scared or timid or I'm a woman. No, I was, I was feisty. I was strong. I looked for trouble, but no one would fight me because they could see it in my eyes. If you're going to jump bad with me, I could handle you. But what they did see. I'd come up against a six foot five guy yeah. intent on doing harm on me or someone else. And I would show them so much respect and honor in my body language, my language, my tone of voice, all of yeah. it. Yeah. That they would, they would do whatever I wanted, right. To solve the problem. And go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it reminds me of one of the things I always tell people, you know, when I get into discussions, you know, like this on, on color and relations and things like that, you know, I, for me, it comes down to respect, you know, number one, one of the things that I offer each and every person that I meet is respect, you know, and when you offer people that respect, you have a much more favorable outcome in, in anything that you do, you know, not just, you know, things related to race and such, but just day-to-day -day transactions, when you offer people respect, uh, you, it's a, it's a better way there's a better way of dealing with people that way. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And that's so true, Stephen. And I know you know this. Pe some people don't even know what respect is. They don't know the concept. A lot of folks. Because if there was more respect and honor out there, we wouldn't be in the position we're in right now as bad. All the issues need to be addressed No. That's what our nonprofit does. But I find it very curious that respect isn't defined for a lot of our younger generation. They don't know what that is. And it's for us, like you and I, to teach it by being.
because you know you're influencing all the time, whether you like it or not. So you might as well be a good influence influencer. Absolutely. Well said. Those are things that you think about, but you don't ever hear, you know, said out loud, but hundred percent correct. People are always watching. The next generation is always watching. Yeah. Well, Janice, that was, that's, that was phenomenal. What is your favorite thing that Humankind Alliance does and why? We have two primary initiatives and one of them for obvious reason is taking all of the attention right now. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's a great divide between law enforcement and the people we serve and protect. Okay. So all these issues, these historical issues and the new issues all have to be addressed. And we do it in a very unique way. Here at our nonprofit, we don't place blame. We don't get into the politics. Mm -hmm. We're done listening. We'll always listen, right? Because we're always collaborating and partnering. But we create solutions. We've created solutions for the issues. And they're really cutting edge, right? They're transformational. So we have numerous trainings, eight or nine, that address the issues that are out there from brutality, tactical, health, leadership, everything in law enforcement. We teach our men and women behind the badge mm-hmm. how to rebuild what we're doing, right? And people love to use the word reform, reform training. But we've been at this for a while before all everything hit the fan here, right? But nobody knew we're out here yet because we're in the hello, we're out here stage and nobody (laughs) knew it. So what else makes us unique is we believe we're all community members. The other thing is we then incorporate and partner with influential community members from around the nation, Hmm. our great country, and they take the training right alongside our law enforcement. Now, what does that do? That says we have nothing to hide. We're here to listen. We want you to understand what we do, why we do it. We want to tweak what we do to help the communities. We want to heal. We want to fill in this divide. We want to get back to what we're doing well, which we love. We want to serve and protect. We want to solve crime. We want to take care of you and your community and your families. We're family members. We're everything you are. We want to participate together. I want to change the psychological paradigm for both law enforcement and the communities they serve. We must work together to promote equity, freedom, Hmm. and safety for every one of us. Because safety goes back. It goes on both sides. Right. The civilians are, I I was mortified, me and my colleagues. Hmm that people are scared to death to come in contact with someone with a badge. I'm like, what? For sure. What? And black men and black fathers and mothers are writing books on how their children should walk, talk, act, dress. I'm like, what? Yeah. And these things need to change, period. And I'm ready to stand in the fire and bond all of us lofty Mm. goal and create incredible solutions that keep our men and women who are serving us. I know what it's like to serve. Yeah. And I never had one complaint in my entire career. Not one official complaint because I had so much common sense, honor, respect. I knew how to do the job. I knew how to serve people because I was no better than them. And it showed. And 
I want to, our men and women, we're not killers. The majority of us are not brutal. We're not murderers. Mm-hmm. I'm here to testify to that. Yeah, go and ahead. there's going to be people out there. They're going to say, they're going to say, all they see are these circumstances that are happening where men are getting killed. People are getting attacked. And so it feels like it's the norm. And there's, and, and what's happening now, and this is my personal and professional opinion okay. is law enforcement doesn't know what to do. Leadership for the most part, they're all in transition. They're trying to figure all this out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because so many nuances have changed. So let me give a metaphor and a real example of this because I'm on nobody's side. I'm on, I'm here to sing the praises of law enforcement of those that are like me and the hundreds and thousands of others that are like me. And one thing that a, a law enforcement person doesn't like is a bad cop, a bad law enforcement person. Wow. Right. When somebody went dirty in DEA, we're like, Oh my, really? Right. Wow. Yeah. We, when George Floyd happened, holy smoke, we went crazy. We don't want this to happen. This is not who we are. Okay? Yeah. You know, everything that you're saying points to the same thing, you know, having mutual respect for people and, and leading with that respect as a, as a police officer. You know, you're saying how people are afraid uh, of, you know, those men and women with the badge and you know, I can share a quick story of I was uh, headed off to drill one day and uh, I was jumping onto the turnpike and I had my brights on because it's 4 a.m., right? And it was raining and I'm in uniform, of course, and I just kind of speed onto the highway because I'm going a little late. I'm running a little bit late and I get pulled over immediately. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, whoa. I just get pulled over and I turn my, my light on above my steering wheel and such. And immediately the police officer's there at my, at my window. I had already rolled my window down and I, this is while I'm trying to find my registration and such. And the gentleman, he just looks scared. Uh, this was in 2016, 17. He just looked scared. He was shaking and he had his hand on, on his weapon. And he was like, telling me like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm like, I'm trying to find my registration. <laughs> it's in my glove compartment. And I kept looking back at him and and digging in there. And I just kept thinking like, I'm in uniform, you know, I've got my light on, you know, this, this is, doesn't need to be escalated. And I don't think I ended up found finding my registration, but the gentleman, you know, he eventually kind of was like, hold on, I'll be right back. And, you know, ended up just giving me a ticket, but I was afraid for my life in that moment. I didn't know what was going to happen, you know, and in recent, in the news, you know, people were being gunned down and, <laughs> and thank God, you know, made it away from that situation. But it could have been handled differently. You know, I, I have no doubt in my mind that the, that the gentleman, you know, didn't come to work that day thinking I'm going to be in this situation. And so it's just, it's just making the right decisions. You know, I, I could have gone multiple ways. I could have done something crazy that could have ended really bad and violently. I could have drove off, you know, that's not who I am, but I'm just saying someone else in my shoes could have done that and it could have ended in a different way. But I don't know. I, I just, I thank God that the gentleman was just like, I'm going to give this guy a ticket and, and let him be on his way. And then it didn't escalate. You know, I still have respect for police officers. 1000%. I have a family, have family members that are police officers. And I know they do the right thing. And that's all we as civilians can do is, is do the right thing. 
Well, first of all, I want to say I'm sorry you went through that. That's tough. And it's a it's a all too common example now. And you said a statement, civilians have to do what they can do. Is that what you said? Something like that? Yeah, doing the right thing. Doing the right thing. So that's what what else we do at Humankind Alliance. Well, folks like yourself are training with us. You're in the military, so you've had some training, but it'll you'll be able to understand the mindset of that officer that walked up. And we're gonna we're gonna help civilians understand how we do our job and what helps us do our job better so we can all be safe, right? And in your situation, I'm not going to quarterback it. It sounds as if you were looking for your registration in advance before the cop walked up. Yeah, like get pulled over. All right, find your papers. That's kind of like the thing. Well, things have changed, right? So you're scared, he's scared. Let's just leave it at that. And so just just keep your hands on the roll the window down, keep your hands on the wheel and just start a nice conversation. And he'll ask you for your driver's license registration. You say, sir, I think it's in my glove box. Now, an officer will shine his light, hopefully in your glove box if it's nighttime or daytime. And he'll watch you dig around your glove box in case you've got a gun. He wants to watch when you (laughs) and then you give him your information. You go from there. Things have changed. Here's another Mm -hmm. example of that. I teach tactical. Yes, I was one of the very first females to teach tactical. Wow. Right? Yeah. Both in the police departments and DEA. Mm-hmm. And I bring a whole different element to it. Men are, are quicker to go physical. Women are not. Right. I mean, I love getting physical. I played judo for years, right? Yeah. I love getting my hands on people. but You could throw down. <laughs> right? But I knew how to speak to people. And I, I, I didn't have any ulterior motive except to get to the next level, which is a solution. So here's something simple. We always teach when you come up to a situation, you make sure it's safe for you Mm. and all the civilians around you and the person that let's say the call is made on, whatever the call is, right? Mm -hmm. You make sure you make the situation safe. Then you can sort things out. Simple, right? So let's say I, I walk up to you and you're on a sidewalk And for whatever reason, I'm contacting you and I'm the officer and you have your hands in your pockets. This is the old days. I'd say to you, hello, sir. I'm officer so-and-so. Would you mind taking your hands out of your pockets so I can just see them? Now we're taught if you can see the hands, you're good to go. Hmm. Because you're not reaching for a gun, a knife, whatever, whatever. Now we can have a conversation. What are people doing now? There's a word that people are wearing on their chest, defiant. Mm. So they walk away, they dance circles, they pull out their phone, they do all kinds of things. All they have to do, you can have your phone in your hand, you can film, we don't care. Just let us see your hands and let's have a conversation. Let's sort this out. Mm. That's it. It's good to know. You know, it's good to hear from a a professional as well. You know, (laughs) there's just doing the right thing will nine times out of 10 lead to a favorable outcome for both parties. Yes. Yes. And I'm here to say there's a lot of work to be done in law enforcement. So we're flipping our pages. We're creating new chapters. We're learning new things. And that's what Humankind Alliance does. We are in it to win it. We were there to support the men and women behind the badge, help them uplift, rebuild, reform their training Mm. and embrace communities 
and we have unbelievable trainings to be able to connect with a community, be able to speak to anyone, anywhere, anytime, no matter what, doing proper tactics under the new circumstances. So for here's another example. There was um, two, I think they were both black men. One had a, a warrant for drugs. So they went and did their job. They arrested him. You can't even do your job anymore. They don't realize that this guy's going to, you know, there's possibility. Crime, if it's a criminal, criminals might have a criminal record, right? Mm-hmm. They could mm-hmm. be burglarizing to support their habit. You don't know. But they had an arrest warrant for him. So they arrested him. And his buddy got up. He was, he was a tall, lanky guy. Yeah. And he was, you know, doing whatever he was doing. And he reached in his pocket, pulled out a little pocket gun. And you can see it on the video. Points straight at the cop. And point blank starts shooting at the cop. Oh, my gosh. Now, what's the cop supposed to do? Oh, please, sir, put your gun down. Return fire. I'd exactly. Think. So he does. Now, there's a young black woman on the news screaming. Why did he have to shoot him? Why do you have? I think he killed him. I think. Why do you have to kill him? Why didn't he shoot him in the leg? Now, I can understand that thinking. I'm a really good question, too. I'm a really good shot. But in those circumstances, uh, when someone's shooting to take your life, you cannot aim for a, a, a skinny little leg and take him out. His his hand still has the gun. The target is still a threat. He will kill you. His intention, he has already showed you he's going to kill you. Yeah. You can't be looking for a little spindle of a leg trying to shoot him down, hoping that he falls down so you can save his life. Right. Right? I hear you. It's, 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 a, fair, it's a fair argument. In, in that situation, the man's defending his life. Right. Now, that's the... Escalation of force we don't like to be in is when someone's shooting at you. So I would love to take that young woman and have her in one of our trainings, one of our tactical trainings, and watch what happens when she gets zinged with a paintball, you know, paintball guns, you know, and and she gets zinged with and she's in a circumstance and her adrenaline's gone and her run fighter freeze and she she's seeing and you know pinpoints and she can barely hear because her adrenaline is pumping she's going to realize it's not that easy and as law enforcement people we're put in these positions and we have to train 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 and human kind alliance is upgrading training we are reforming rebuilding supporting we're bringing community members right with us we want them to know what we're doing we want them to understand we want them to have input and okay. this way, we're going to build empathy, sympathy, understanding, and we'll go, go out there as one community united so that we can solve these problems together. I think that you guys are on the right side of history, especially pertaining to this this issue. You guys, the position that you have is one that I haven't seen in the forefront of the media, but it really should be. It really, really should be. And it sounds like in the same mode, you know, it, it's it's appropriate to ask, you know, what can police do to break barriers with communities? Well, first of all, it comes from leadership. Okay. Leadership makes the policies, the rules, the standards. They're the role models, but that's for another time, right? Leadership qualities, which we have a training for that. Transform- mm-hmm. Transformational leadership in these modern times, right? Mm-hmm. So whatever they say, they've got things they've got to get done and, and it goes down and to the department's. 
Now, every department is, and I want folks to realize that every department is different between the money they get for training, how much money they get, and the type of training they get. So you could get a really effective trainer, or you can get a guy that's been on 30 years and he's just buying his time. You know, you never know. Mm -hmm. It's the training. There's no standardization. There's certain things that are standard, but, and if you don't have money, you can't train. Right. Right. And we constantly need training because this is a job that is incredibly rough, especially now. It always has been, but now it's really intricate. Yeah. And we need training more than ever. Okay. So now leadership, what they can do for the communities is leadership can allow, if they can, because police, sheriffs, they're dropping like flies. They're retiring. They're quitting. They're not coming on. Mm. They're not being hired. They're scared to death. So if leadership can allow their troops to spend a little more time on their calls and actually build that rapport, take time, and on their off time or in between calls is to get out, walk the community, get to know the community they're in, the shop owners, the kids, the homeless, get out. Be one of them. Be touchable and approachable. Like right now Mm. with COVID, they open, they close the street. And on Thursday, Friday nights, they have all the restaurants being able to, you know, serve and stay alive out there. Mm -hmm. And there's two bicycle cops. They're so cute. One little tiny blonde girl, young as can be, and this guy. And they're riding their little bicycles out, you know, but you can see they're a little scared. You know, they're afraid to stop and talk to people. I feel like saying, hello, you know. Yeah, but yeah. they're doing their best under this. It's so tenuous out there right now. And I, I sure. just want us all to come back together and calm and heal because this is way out of hand. Burning people's businesses is just downright wrong. I don't care what your intention is or why you need the attention mm-hmm. because the intention that we think it is might not be the intention why they burned down that building. You never sure. know why that person needs that attention. But that person who owns a business, they built that. I know what it's like to build a business. Lordy, Lord, I went from law enforcement to building a business. That was a heck of a learning curve. And I'm still learning. Those people have to feed their family, their employees. They built that every brick and everything they did. They created it, made it, and you just took it away from them. Why? They weren't a part of this. Right. And while we're talking about that, why build, burn a municipal building or a federal building just because it has to that. do with a courthouse or law enforcement? There's people in there. You've got your office assistants, your janitors, you have your all your admin staff, you have, you know, intel intelligence analysts, you have all, investigators that are trying to save help victims of child molesters and arsons and burglaries and rapes and murders. You just burned down that whole building with so much work in it and people's livelihoods. There's gotta be somewhere else to put your energy. What is that solution? Well, right now is speak, bond, speak, walk, talk, protest. And the word peaceful is overused. Calm, smart, united. Mm. Be you your did. best self. Be your best self. We will make change. And that's what we're doing. 
this is what we can do to contribute is these incredible trainings mm -hmm. and have community members right in there with us. And we'll have follow-up educational programs for communities continuing, right? And a dialogue between law enforcement communities through what we're doing as we grow and build so that we're always know, okay, what's the challenge now? How do we solve it? Right. Okay. Just a small follow-up question. Who have you done these events with? Who, what, are you meeting with celebrities or, you know, are you having like Will Smith go through the police training with you? And like, as a, for example. That is a great question. So people like Will Smith, Shaquille O'Neal, you know, any of these really wonderful human beings that are out there using their name and their career to make a difference. We're seeking those people out, but there's a lot of layers there. And when we can get to those people and they figure out what we're doing, they're going to want to be part of this. We're healers, not haters. We're solvers, not problem makers. Okay. We're solutioneers. That's what we do. And we need help. People don't know we're out here because we were just in the funding stages and we're, we're trying to ring our bell as loud as we can. It's not that easy just because, just because you think it, we're, we're making it happen, but we need help. Yeah. And yeah. we've got the business plan. We've got it. All this training has been done. Just not at this level, inviting community members in and at these trainings, let it be known it's not going to be just law enforcement trainers. I'm bringing yeah. in civilian trainers. I mean, those that have been through hell and back on the streets for whatever reason, or mm. you know, like you said, Will Smith, or somebody who wrote a book on why your kid has to dress, walk, talk a certain way. Yeah, That's just incredible for me to even fathom in my mind. I want that author in one of my trainings, right? I'm going to have these type of folks in my trainings because remember, I want to I want to help influence the psychological paradigm, both law enforcement and the communities and teach everybody we're one community member because I'm telling you, the men and women behind the badge, they just want to do their job and do it well. Yeah. And a lot of yeah. mistakes are being made right now because they're scared. Everyone's confused. These are not excuses. I'm watching it. I'm watching them, their faces when I see these atrocities happening, I'm a body language expert, right? So I watch these atrocities and I go, oh, Lord, <laughs> you know, I can see it on the guys or gals face. And I'm wasting time. I need to get out there and do this. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? So I'm grateful yeah. for you to give me a voice. That's what we're here for. Mm -hmm. There's a women's empowerment element of Humankind Alliance. We've maybe touched on it earlier in the podcast, but. I wonder if you could speak to that for a few moments, telling us about this women empowerment element of Humankind Alliance. I would absolutely love to. So I have a for-profit company, which is kind of on hold because of the nonprofit and our law enforcement community initiative. And what I do is a three and a half day event and it's a spy adventure. So it's a snapshot into my life, right? And they learn all kinds of skills through this incredible, action-packed, moving spy adventure. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So we teach everything from any challenge you might have as a woman in your life, personal or professional. Uh, incredible communication skills. Confidence that's just unstoppable. 
and wow. overcoming fears, whatever fear, using fear to your advantage and trusting themselves and building alliances. W women, we have a reputation of always competing. That's out the door. There's mm -hmm. enough for everyone out there. Mm -hmm. You don't have to compete. Well, you want to compete? We teach our women how to compete with yourself, compete with the other women, but celebrate the women that are passing you right up and be sincere about it because yeah. there's enough for everyone. And women are powerful because look at me in my career. I brought womanhood to my career and look what I did. And the men really appreciated what I did, you know? Yeah. It, it, so then I decided I wanted to have a program for women on the nonprofit side. And I wanted it for women who are powerful forces of service, nurses, military, teachers, mm. and caregivers, right? And then we okay. thought, oh my gosh, law enforcement needs it too. They could use these skills. So women, nurses, veterans, or active military, teachers, caregivers, and law enforcement. And they work long hours with very low compensation. Right. So they can't afford a program. So we made scholarships for these women. Wow. And they okay. can go through the spy adventure. That's amazing. Yeah. And once we get this one up and off the ground and running, then I'll be able to go back and create those programs as well and serve mm -hmm. those women. Because when women rise and they bond, here's a metaphor for that. Do you remember the women put together within two or three weeks is worldwide during the Me Too movement, worldwide protests around the globe? Do you remember that? Yes, yes. Do you remember there wasn't one crime committed on the globe during that protest with millions of people? Huh. Heck, we can't even have a protest in a podunk town here without having some sort of crime happen. What's up with that? And did they make a powerful statement? Huh. They had people of all walks of life, all creeds, all color, all ages. Men, yeah. women, transgender, they had everything. People, humankind were mm. aligning for a cause and making it clear what their cause was and what they wanted. Yeah. Wow. This we could model. Let's model this and use it now for what we're doing here. Let's come together and solve. Mm. We can't keep hating and destructing. You make a strong point. And your mighty words resonate, and I, admittedly, I am I am struck by them. What comes to mind is strength in numbers, you know, th things like that, you know, kind of mantras like that. So that's amazing. I had I hadn't considered that during that time period there was there was peace globally. That's strong. Yep, people are always wanting world peace, and there it was for a moment. And, <laughs> and who I'm going to have to say who is behind it? Women who behind it, women. <laughs> There's a lot to learn. I'm taking notes here. I've got to, <laughs> I'm taking notes. And you know. I, I love men. They have, we have worked together in the best and worst of circumstances on the streets. Yeah. I have saved their life. They have saved mine. And we work till we're just brittle to the bone together. And that's what we need now. We need to work together and not just yeah. say it. We're doing it. And all we need is a support. And we're off and running. Right on. This this relationship between you and I began with the DeVoe Group and Humankind Alliance working together with Salesforce. Uh, I'd be curious, you know, how has 
uh, Salesforce helped you accomplish your mission or how has it helped you in assisting your mission thus far? That's a great question. Well, you know Sarah DeVoe really well, right? Of course. Well, Sarah and her husband, they have the DeVoe group. That's their last name, Sarah DeVoe. And she found us and she's our Salesforce guru. We adore the ground she walks on. I'm like, Salesforce? What is that and how do you use it, right? Mm -hmm. So she has maintained a steady steam with us. She has just kept that ship going and taught us about Salesforce. She does all things Salesforce. She mentors anyone I bring on, volunteers. We do a lot of mentoring here at our nonprofit. Somebody mm -hmm. wants to get their undergrad, their grad, their master's, whatever they want. If we have time and the bandwidth, we'll let them come play in that area. We'll mentor mm. them or give them a space to learn and grow. And Sarah, we, we toss her teenagers. We toss her, you know, veterans, anybody who wants to learn Salesforce. She's yeah. just a phenomenal human being with the biggest wow. heart and business mind. And she's my role model for business and tenacity. And really? tenac tenacity is like my middle name, but I think she's got me beat. Um, <laughs> so I love Sarah. And that's what she does for us. She takes the mystery and the work out of Salesforce. I don't have to worry about it. She runs a team and she makes it happen. Right on. So you guys then use the Salesforce technology for your reports and dashboards to see where your funding's at, you know, things of that nature. Is that is that true? Do you use Salesforce every daily then, would you say? Well, we're, I can't say I use it, but my team does. <laughs> yeah, I got <laughs> well, you. <laughs> we use it and we're going to use it more because the bigger and the faster we grow, we're going to use it more and more. This is our platform. It's our, our, it's our stability. Mm -hmm. And we're really grateful that Mr. Benioff has created it. Um, yeah, right on. Yeah. He noticed this once on Twitter. Um, and we even no. had a, we had a uh, retired police officer that was volunteering for us and his son works for Salesforce and okay. he had a brain injury and started using Salesforce. So Mr. Benioff really enjoyed the story and interviewed the son. Wow. So we, we really love Salesforce. We really do. And we respect the empire that he built and he's helping a lot of us because hmm. it really serves nonprofits and we're extremely grateful for that. That's wonderful. That's really good to hear. You know, nonprofit success pack gets used globally and such, but it's not too often you get to hear, you know, perspective, you know, from the nonprofit, how it's working out. So glad to hear it's going really well. So Janice, we have made it to the light. And so this is great. These questions will be really quick answered and there'll be four of them. So the first one is what makes the ideal board member? Think with no box. They've created their success. Huge hearts giving heart, creative, open mindset, unstoppable, kind, mm. supportive. What advice do you have for other nonprofits? Build the best team you can right out of the gate. Get funding, pay the important positions that you need, and don't try to piecemeal it. Mm. Janice, what's your favorite food? I love food. <laughs> but if I were to pick something, I hate to say this, but pizza. Pizza. What kind of pizza? Oh, just give me any kind of pizza and I'll eat it. Just don't put pineapple on it. No, 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 no. <laughs> other than that, I love pizza. I am in the same 
camp is you. I do not like pineapple <laughs> on my pizza. I don't know. There's just something wrong about that. <laughs> <laughs> so favorite nonprofit besides yours? Well, there's so many nonprofits out there that are doing tremendous good. So I don't know if you know Dr. Phil Zombardo. He was a Stanford psychologist mm -hmm. professor, and mm -hmm. he did the Stanford Prison Project back in the 70s. Oh, yeah, he, yeah. Yeah, where he took male students and made them half prisoners, half guards. prison guards. Yeah. Yeah. And I saw there's a movie about that. Yeah, it's actually, I think it's on Netflix or something, the documentary of it. Mm -hmm. But he started, you know, he he's an, he's an amazing man. And one thing led to another. I got to meet him, become friends with him. Wow. And he has what's called Heroic Imagination Project. Heroic Imagination Project. And it really aligns with a lot of what I do. And we collaborate. And, and he's just an amazing man with amazing dream. Thank you for that. It sounds very interesting. And Janice, how can people connect with Humankind Alliance? Oh, thanks for asking that, Stephen. Please go to our website, humankindalliance.org. Humankindalliance.org. And you can find us there and everything you need. And you can, you can find your way to us. And we would love to connect with you. It would be quite a blessing. Sounds good. Janice, thank you so much for connecting with us today on uh, Doing Good with the DeVoe Group podcast. We look forward to talking to you again soon. Stephen, thank you. It was a pleasure. And I'm really happy you're doing this. Thank you. <laughs>